Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. As we go through it, there's a couple of things we need to understand. And uh, one is this, as we go into this subject, uh, you know, looking through the Song of Psalms, we're going to see uh, maybe some of the things you saw on the screen this morning play out a little bit in the story. Uh, but there's a couple of things we need to know, and that's this, if you get uh, this area of relationships in your life right, um, a lot of other things fall into place. If you get this, 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 these relationships, and this could be all sorts of relationships, um, but if you get this one, especially that person that you're going to be with for the rest of your life, um, if you get that right, man, so many things fall into place. And all the married people said, amen. amen. And, uh, you know, I- I've heard so many tragic stories. Uh, but you know what? Um, I know this, that if we put God first, as we're going to talk about in the next six weeks, as we put God first in this area of our life, Uh, so many other things are going to fall into place. Now listen to me. This message is not just for people that are married. Uh, This message isn't just for people that are single hoping to get married. This message is for everybody. Because everybody in here this morning is either pursuing marriage, is married, or has been married, uh, or would like to be married. Are you with me? Okay. Now, there might be that 1% out there. It's actually probably a lot less than that. It's like 0.1% that says, nope, I'm called to celibacy. I don't ever want to be married. Um, is anybody out there like that? Okay, see, there's nobody in here like that. So, uh, so that means you're in the other category. You're one of those people. Now, here's the thing. If, if uh, you know, your season of marriage is done because, uh, like my mom, my father passed away. Now, I don't know, she might get remarried uh, someday. Um, I joke around with her occasionally about that. Any takers? Um, it might happen. I might have set up a secret account for her on eHarmony. She doesn't know, but if the phone starts ringing. Um, but here's the thing, is if you're in that season of life, this message is for you as well, uh, because you're going to need this arsenal to help other people walk in God's plan. Are you with me this morning? And so no matter who you are, this message is going to be for you. And uh, so I don't want you to check out. I want you to take good notes. I want you to, I want you to get into the message. I want you to just allow uh, the presence of God to speak to you as we go through um, this book. Because if you can get this area of your life right, so many other things fall into place. Uh, statistics are, and these are they're rough as I've studied so many, and depending on the source, but about 40% of people have been affected by divorce. Either you've been through divorce yourself or your parents um, have been divorced or, uh, you know, someone close in the family unit has been. And so you've experienced that. You've been affected by that. Another study shows that 25% um, of people that are married uh, feel like giving up, throwing in the towel, are, are on the verge of that. So that's 65% of people um, that are either been affected by divorce, are in divorce, or um, are ready to give up and throw in the towel. How many of you guys think it's time for God's plan to know what it is and to put it into action? Are you with me this morning? Uh, the problem is this, is that um, uh, we've, been, we've been affected by the world's view of what a love story is. Uh, we've, been, we've been impacted by that. Um, you know, every single person there probably has a TV in their house, or maybe two, or maybe three. Um, or you got Netflix, you got it on your phone, your iPad, your computer, whatever it is. And studies show that 90% of, of the encounters between a man and a woman on TV, 90% of sexual relations on TV are done outside of the context of marriage. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is an absolute lie. Um, now, I know that it does happen. I know that it is happening. Um, but it's not happening to 90% of the people. Are you with me? And so what, what this has done is it's painted this picture that this is what love is. This is how, how sexuality works. This is how, uh, you know, attraction works. This is how the process works. But that's a lie. And so we need to know what God's word says about relationships. Whether they're, uh, you know, dating relationships, marriage relationships, and even father-son, father-daughter, mother-son, mother-daughter, so on, friendship, relationships. What does God's word have to say about these things? So the book of Psalms, Song of Solomon. Solomon wrote the book. He also wrote two other books. Uh, He wrote the majority of Proverbs. He wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. And uh, he wrote the one that we're going to look at 
uh, over the next six weeks, okay? Now, uh, if you're one of those people uh, that's here today and you're a once a month, a once every other week attender, let me just lay out the subjects that we're going to be covering over the next six weeks. Um, So maybe it'll entice you to come to all of them or maybe you'll pick and choose the ones you want to come to. Today, uh, we're going to talk about this subject, the art of attraction, which we're going to see in chapter one and it goes a little bit into chapter two. So today we're going to talk about the art of attraction. Next week, we're going to talk about there's a season for everything, a season for everything, both within the relationship and preparing yourself for a relationship. Week three, we're going to talk about intimacy. Um, Some of you know this as sex, okay? And so two weeks from today, I just saw a bunch of dudes write that down. They went like this and they wrote down. I I I can see a lot of things up here, okay? And so we're going to talk about that. Um, And then we're going to talk about uh, conflict. Anybody ever experienced conflict in a relationship before? Nobody? Okay. We won't even cover that one. Nobody here needs that one. So I saw some wife go like this to her husband, though, when I said that one. There it is, honey. And woman, you need to know you just created conflict. Um, And then we're going to talk about deeper love. How do you deepen your love uh, relationship. We're going to talk about deeper love. And then lastly, we're going to conclude the whole entire series, and we're going to talk about covenant relationship, talk about the covenant of marriage. Now, as we get into the, uh, this book, the Song of Solomon, there, there's a couple of things we just need to throw out there so you know, okay? Um, some people, uh, you know, have had their children ignore the book of Song of Solomon. Hey, honey, go ahead and read the Bible. But when you get to this one called Song of Songs or Song of Solomon, just skip over that and save that until you're 30, Right? I have two daughters, and that's what I want to tell them, but the reality is there's a lot of good stuff in here, but there's something you need to know that this book, um, it is like, it, it is a little bit spicy, okay? Uh, you know, it's, it's like, you know, on a scale of one to ten, ten being the spiciest, one not, it's, 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 right, it's like an eight or nine, okay? And so this book talks about, about a lot of things. Now, we're going to keep it PG-13 because that's what the Bible does. That simply means this. Um, if, uh, if you're of the age of 13 or older, although we have classes uh, for them as well, uh, it's for you. Uh, if there's kids in here that are a little bit younger, maybe check them into our wonderful children's ministry. Um, unless, uh, you know, you want them to hear about it right now, that's fine. Um, but it's spicy, okay? And so it gets spicy today. Um, we'll, we'll tame it down a little bit. But as we, as we move along in the book, it tends to get a little spicier and a little spicier. Now, I don't know about you, but how many of you guys like your food spicy? Anybody out there like it spicy? Come on, somebody. I don't know what happened to me. When I was younger, I didn't like my stuff too spicy. My dad, on the other hand, uh, man, he would eat stuff so hot that he would be literally at the table sweating. This is no joke. And anybody out there like that, like you just, that, you know it's a good meal if you got sweat dripping into it. Are you with me? Okay. All right. Okay. Well, I've learned over the years, and so has my wife. I don't know what happened to her, but she was like, like all American bland. Okay. And, uh, oh, I happened. So, um, I w- she was like all American bland, but now she likes things spicy. Okay. Um, I guarantee you, no matter who you are in this, this room, by the time we get done with Song of Solomon, you're going to like things spicy. Come on, somebody. Okay. And so it, it does, it gets, it gets a little spicy at times. As we're reading through it, um, today and, and the rest of the series, uh, there's three different groups of people or three different people communicating in this. There's Solomon, King Solomon. Okay, he's sometimes referred to as loved or beloved, but um, I'll, I'll point out when he's the one talking. And then there's the beloved, the woman, and I'll point out when she's the one talking. And then there's like this whole chorus or ensemble of friends, okay, that like to interject things every now and then, okay? And so we'll kind of keep moving and we'll, we'll talk about, hey, here's who's saying this and here's who's saying that, and hopefully it helps paint the picture and, uh, and takes us in a good direction. The other thing you need to know is this, is that as we go through the book of Song of Solomon, not just today's message, but the rest of them uh, over the next six weeks, there is a lot of poetry in here and there's a lot of allegory, okay? Now, what do we mean by allegory? That, that means that it's painting this picture and he's using these words to paint this picture, but they're not literal, okay? Um, matter of fact, let's read a few of them today. We got some we'll, um, before we start and get into chapter one. Here's some right here. In chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. Behold, you are beautiful, my love. Behold, you are beautiful. Your eyes are doves behind your veil. Okay, her eyes aren't really doves. All right? And so when you see that, don't be like, oh my gosh. 
She's got beaks coming out of her eyes, okay? No, this is allegory, all right? Doves behind your veil. Your hair is like a flock of goats. Now, I would also want to encourage the guys, don't write these down and try these on your girl, okay? Don't, don't look at her when she's up in the morning getting ready and be like, baby, your hair is like a flock of goats, okay? But uh, maybe that's a compliment, okay? Your hair is like a flock of goats leaping down the slopes of Gilead. Next verse. Your teeth are like a flock of shorn ewes. Okay? That have come up from the washing, all of which bear twins, and not one among them has lost its young. Okay, next verse. Your lips are like the scarlet thread, and your mouth is lovely. Your cheeks are like halves of pomegranate behind your veil. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen a pomegranate before. But I don't know if that's, you know, like, I, that's not the first thing I say to my wife, you know. Like, maybe you look beautiful. Those pomegranates, you know, okay. Your neck is like the Tower of David. Built in rows of stone. On it hang a thousand shields. All of them shields of warriors, which means they are beat up, Right? <laughs> right? I mean, if you take your shield out to battle, it's going to get some, you know, you got a dinged up neck, girl. Um, right? Probably not the best compliment in the world. Uh, your two breasts are like two fawns, twins of a gazelle. They graze among the lilies. Okay? Anybody getting uncomfortable in here right now? <laughs> Okay, this is, this is the Bible, all right? Um, this is allegory. Let's take it. We got another one here. Uh, chapter 7, verse 2 has one. If we got that one, Song of Solomon 7, verse 2. Um, your navel is a rounded bowl. She's apparently got an any, okay? That it's so large that it can hold wine. Are you with me, okay? That never lacks mixed wine. Your belly, and this is another one. Don't use this on your wife, all right? Your belly is a heap of wheat. There's somebody with me today. Encircled with lilies. Wow. What? <laughs> it doesn't say wheat, it says heap of wheat. Caleb just got himself in trouble. I think, do we have another one? Do we have another one? Seven verse four. Do we have seven verse four? Is it up there? We don't have that one. There it is. Your nose is like the Tower of Lebanon. Which points in that direction, right? Which looks toward Damascus, okay? Now, here's the deal, ladies and gentlemen. This is allegory, because if it wasn't allegory, um, this is kind of what she would look like. Um, if we could pull up a picture here. Um, oh, we don't have the picture. Oh, there it is, okay? That, okay. So, I don't know, that's not really the beautiful, okay, woman, baby, you look nothing like this, okay? So earlier today when I talked about your, your goat's hair, okay, you, you look nothing like that, thank you, Jesus. So, um, allegory, all right? So let's get into it today, shall we? Um, let's talk about this first chapter. We're going to read chapter 1. We're going to go on to chapter 2, verse 7. If you want to follow along in your Bibles, please do so, or we have it on the screens as well. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. And it reads this, and this is, uh, I'll just read the first verse. The Song of Songs, which is Solomon's. Okay? And now here she is talking. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is better than wine. Your anointing oils are fragrant. Your name is oil poured out. Therefore, virgins love you. Draw me after you. Let us run. The king has brought me into his chambers. Here's the chorus of friends. We will exalt and rejoice in you. We will extol your love more than wine. Rightly do they love you. She begins to talk again. I am very dark. But lovely, O daughters of Jerusalem, like the tents 
of Kedar, like the curtains of Solomon. Do not gaze at me because I am dark, because the sun has looked upon me. Now let me pause right there just for a moment. She's talking about the color of her skin. Now where some of you out there might appreciate a tanned girl, okay, back in this time, this was not something that was of beauty, okay? This was not something that people looked at and say, wow, she's got a good tan, okay? The reason she's dark and what this meant was that she was one that actually worked out in the fields, okay? Now, not only was her skin then tanned, which made her less desirable back then, but if she's working out in the fields, that means her hands aren't the smoothest as well, okay? And this is what she's saying about herself. This is her opinion of herself, that please don't look at my dark skin. I'm not attracted or attractive to you. Why is this? My mother's sons were angry with me, her brothers. They made me keeper of the vineyard. So they forced her to do the work. But my own vineyard I have not kept. When you see this phrase, my own vineyard, it's talking about her body, her, her flesh. She hasn't kept it. Tell me, you whom my soul loves, where you pasture your flock, where you make it lie down at noon. For why should I be like one who veils herself? When you see this thought of veiling herself, she's saying, why should I be like the, the veiled woman? It's talking about prostitutes. Beside the flocks of your companions. Now here he begins to speak. If you do not know, O most beautiful among women, follow in the tracks of the flock and pastor your young goats beside the shepherd's tents. I compare you, my love, to a mare among Pharaoh's chariots. Your cheeks are lovely with ornaments, your neck with strings of jewels. And here's the friends chiming in. We will make for you ornaments of gold studded with silver. And she begins to speak again. While the king was on his couch, my nard gave forth its fragrance. My beloved is to me a scarlet myrrh that lies between my breasts. Now, I don't know what quite that is, but I guarantee you this, he's sure glad he is that. Are you with me this morning? And all the men said, all right. All the married men said. <laughs> that lies between my breasts. My beloved is to me a cluster of henna blossoms in the vineyards of En Gedi. Now, here, what's happening is, is, and so we could put this in perspective, she is actually lying down and she's literally thinking about him. Her mind is on him. It's not that he is physically there at that moment, but it's her thoughts about him, and and she's now been taken emotionally by him. He begins to speak. Behold, you are beautiful, my love. Behold, you are beautiful. Your eyes are doves. Your eyes are doves. Eyes known as the, as the gateway into the soul. If they, if the, the old thought was this, is if I could peer into your eyes and I could gaze into them, I would see into the depths of your soul and I would know what's going on. Doves speaking of purity. And so he's making this statement, when I look into your eyes, when I gaze into your eyes, your eyes are like doves. In other words, when I see inside of you, there is something so pure and so beautiful that I behold. Your eyes are like doves. She begins to speak. Behold, you are beautiful, my beloved, truly delightful. Our couch is green. The beams of our house are cedar. Our rafters are pine. Chapter 2, verse 1. I am a rose of Sharon, a lily of the valleys. As a lily among brambles, and he's talking now, As a lily among brambles, so is my love among the young women. What's he saying there? He's saying this. He is like, you're right. You are that flower, and you are so beautiful, and every other woman around you is like a thorn, okay? You stand out amongst all the women. In other words, my attraction is for you. My love is for you only. You, man, are the one that stands out. Every other woman is like a thorn. Reading on. 
And she says, as an apple tree among the trees of the forest, so is my beloved among the young women. With great delight, I sat in his shadow and his fruit was sweet to my taste. What she's saying, she's saying the same back to him. She's saying, my love is only for you. You are like an apple tree among all the other trees of the forest. You are the only one that stands out and my affection is for you and you only. He brought me to the banqueting house and his banner over me was love. Sustain me with raisins, refresh me with apples. Now, here's what you need to understand. It just went, we're going to talk about it in a, in a moment, but it just went from this, she admires him, she's attracted to him, now she's saying this, I want to pick some apples. And if I need to spell it out more clearly, I can do that. She's saying, I no longer just want to be in your shadow. I no longer just want to be near you. I no longer just want to lie on my bed and think about you. But baby, I want to make love to you. Okay? That's what's happening here. I want to pick the apples. Okay? And now look at this. Sustain me with raisins. Refresh me with the apples. For I am sick with love. She's overtaken now. His left hand is under my head, and his right hand embraces me. Think about the picture there. Right? Dun, 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 dun. Okay. He's holding her. But check this out. In that moment, everything stops. I adjure you, O daughters of Jerusalem. By the gazelles or the does of the field, that you not stir up or awaken love until it pleases. God, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you that your word is amazing. God, your word is awesome. Lord, I pray that today that you would speak to us. Uh, I pray that, God, we would uh, literally learn uh, the, the attraction pathway that you have laid out in your word. That, uh, God, we as men and we as women would understand this. Lord, I pray over the next six weeks that we would come to a greater revelation. Not only the love that we should express to one another, but God, we thank you that your word doesn't just paint a picture of a love between a man and a woman, but the word paints a picture, God, of your love for your people. And God, we could learn from that and glean from that today and know how awesome and special we are in your eyes. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. We're going to look at this uh, thought, the art of attraction. God has a pattern. God has a path. God has a way uh, for people to be attracted to one another, and we're going to look at that. But as we look at it, you need to understand something, that when the king in this passage is talking about the woman, yes, it paints a picture that we can model, but also we need to always remember this, that this is a picture of the way Christ loves the church, okay? This is the way that, that Christ loves us, that for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He bankrupted heaven and he gave everything because he loves you and he loves you immensely. How much does he love you? We see it right here at the very beginning when he says these words, for your love in chapter two, the last, or chapter one, verse two, your love is better than wine. Your anointing oils are fragrant your name is oil poured out, therefore virgins love you. Look at the words being used, okay? We can look at this in two contexts. The first one is this, is look at the way God loves you. God's love for you is not common. God's love for you is so exquisite. God's love for you is so immeasurable. God's love for you is so amazing that it actually has a fragrance to it. And, and, she, and, 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 and that's, uh, King Solomon actually begins to use these words to describe the love. It's better than wine. Your anointing oils are fragrant. In other words, he's saying this, your love is not common. Your love is not common. I believe the reason why love relationships have become so common, we don't use this thought process or this analogy of how amazing my wife's love for me is or how amazing my love for her is because we've treated the love of God as common. And if we could have that mended through our understanding by the Holy Spirit and by the scriptures, we would no longer take our relationships here common. Are you with me this morning? 
God's love for you is not common. God's love for you is like wine. It's better than wine. It's like this this fragrant aroma. It's like the, the best oil that is poured out. Man, it's so awesome that virgins flock to it. Somebody with me this morning. Now in the context of this relationship here on earth, something you need to understand is that this art of attraction is not built of commonality. It's not this common thing. The attraction needs to build, be built on this overarching idea of God is in this. This thing is extravagant. When I give myself to her, everyone else is out of the picture. When she gives herself to me, everyone else is out of the picture. It's, 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 it's amazing. Somebody with me this morning. Okay? And it's built on this thought. The second thing we need to see is this, and then we'll get into the art of attraction. Is that she says these words. She says, do not look upon my skin, my dark skin. Don't, don't look there. Don't look at the outward appearance. She's making this statement. The love attraction needs to be built on something so much more than what the eye sees here, okay? It can't be common. It's exquisite. It's sacred. Man, it's, it's beautiful. But not only that, do not base your attraction on, on what you see here. And guys, this is a really good lesson. This, I don't know how women do it. Okay, it's very clear that in our relationship, my wife was very clear on this. She did not build it on attraction, okay? I had somebody come up to me one time and say, hey, 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 Ben, is your wife blind? Now, they were joking around. I think, okay? We can't ask them anymore because I took them out, but. Remember the old saying, love is blind, Okay. I don't know what it is with women. They have this ability to, to, to see beyond this. Guys, on the other hand, we tend to be a little shallow. I'm just talking, okay. I'll talk. I, I don't want to put all the guys. I don't want to throw all the guys under the vest. Okay, this guy right here sometimes tends to be shallow, okay? All right? Now, I'm not going to lie to you. When I first saw Katie, okay, I hadn't said a word to her. We hadn't had a conversation, okay? Um... I saw her and I thought, wow, I would like to have a conversation. Come on, somebody. All right? All right, and if there's nothing under the hood, no engine, you know, making things work up here. <laughs> Y'all with me? Can we talk real today? Then I thought to myself, after a year or so, then maybe I'll move on. No, I was kidding. I thought, you know, I'm talking guys here for a minute, all right? Okay. And she's saying this, hey, look, let's just settle something right now. Don't, don't look at this, okay? Because the reality of this, this right here, it's going to change, okay? Okay? You with me this morning? Okay. It's kind of quiet today. Y'all thinking about who's going to win the Super Bowl? Let me just sell it right now. Seahawks are going to win. Denver's going to win the Super Bowl. Go Chargers. Um, Oh, are they out of it? Let's get into it. Art of attraction. The first thing we see right here in this passage after this opening of what, hey, look, don't base it on looks, okay? Um, and, And let's make sure this is deep, all right? The first one is this. And this is God's, I believe, God's pattern. Number one, we got to put it out there, spiritual attraction. Spiritual attraction. In verses 5 through 7, she says, hey, don't look at this. There's so much more to me than what you see right here. And then she begins to go into this, this thought of, I have kept myself. I am not like the veiled women. Okay? I'm not like the process. I'm not like the one that sold my body. No, I have, I have values. I have moral values. You know what? I, I, I'm hooked up with God, and, and I'm going to give myself to him. There's got to be this spiritual attraction. If there is not a spiritual attraction, ladies and gentlemen, the reality is, is it should stop right there. Okay? 
You cannot bypass this spiritual attraction. Matter of fact, men, let me talk to you for a moment. If you want a good woman, if you want a woman that is going to stick with you, if you want a woman that is going to love you, if you want a woman that is going to, come on, get up and cook you breakfast. Come on, somebody. Okay, I don't know about the last one. Maybe on Saturday. Listen. The greatest thing you could do to make yourself attractive, guys, is to go after God. To go after God. And when you go after God, listen to me, when, not only when you just go after God, let me take it to another level, when you go after God's given purpose for your life, you become so attractive to people. I remember when I was young in the ministry, my mentors would caution me at times, say, hey, Ben, there's something you need to know in the ministry, uh, whether it's worship leader, whether it's pastor, whatever it might be, is that a lot of times uh, the, the anointing on your life, that it can be attractive to people. And so you need to guard yourself, okay? That's why even, um, you know, counselors that might counsel people and they end up counseling, and I've heard this story over and over again, that they might counsel uh, young ladies or whatever it might be, Okay? You've got to be very careful in that because when you are operating in your purpose and you're operating in your God-given gift, you become attractive. Okay. Now listen to me. Guys, your God-given gift doesn't mean you're a pastor, doesn't mean you're a worship leader, okay? It, does, it doesn't mean you're a children's minister, your God-given gift could be you are a businessman, but how are you using that for the purposes of the kingdom of God? It becomes attractive, okay? And the greatest thing you could do to make yourself attractive is you give yourself to, don't look at my dark skin. Don't look at the outside. Listen, there's something more inside of me. I'm not like the prostitute woman. There's something deeper in here, and, and, and it's spiritual. And that is what I want you to be Attractive. She knows God. She knows God. Hmm. Here's the thing. I, you know, we don't women. You don't want to be like the veiled women. You don't want to be the one. And here's the here's the reality of it. If I could just say this, is that here it's talking specifically about prostitutes. But listen to me. If the only way you're getting a guy is through this right here, is there anything really different? The guy isn't attracted spiritually. All the women should have said a bigger amen on that part right there. Okay? Okay. Don't, don't, women, don't sell yourself short. Don't cave in. Hold your ground. Don't sell yourself short. Guys, if you like it, put a ring on it. Right? Okay? He's willing to spend some money on a ring and put it on your finger. I even, I'm a little old-fashioned, a little bit. And uh, when I hear, and now this is, you know, if somebody in here you're like this, just, just take it with a grain of salt. But don't start planning weddings until there's a ring on the finger. Because the, the ring on the finger shows that he's in it to win it. Okay? Are you with me? It got quiet. Parents, take notes, okay? I'll tell you what, I've been in this and I've been thinking about my two daughters, okay? I'm gonna teach them good godly principles and I'm gonna get a gun. Both are gonna happen. Make yourself attractive. Give yourself to God's purpose. There's something more than just what you see. There's something deeper, okay? Spiritual attraction, it's so important so important. Watch how, watch how a guy treats the church, ladies. If he's willing to serve in the church, he'll be willing to serve you. Okay? Guys, look how the lady treats the church. Okay? If, if, if she's willing to serve the church, she's willing to serve you. Okay? And there's something so significant about that spiritual attraction. And honestly, it takes things, it takes things deeper. And we, you know, we, there's this old saying that a, a couple that prays together stays together. 
And it is so true because it is really hard to pray together when you're at odds with each other. And so you have, before you, you can start praying, God, I just pray that you would change my wife. And she's sitting in the same room with you. God, I pray right now you'd speak to my husband how big of an idiot he's being, you know. That prayer time will last about 20 seconds. Are you with me? Okay? Or you start throwing things at each other. But man, if, if you get into that mode and there is, you know, some, some stuff against each other, you, you got to just stop everything. Because number one, God ain't going to hear your prayers anyway. But number two, you're not going to accomplish anything. So you just stop, you reconcile, then you pray. Okay? And then before you know it, his hand is under your head. And, are you with me? Okay? Spiritual attraction. Now, I, I don't even know, I mean, we're going to move on to these other ones, but listen to me. If the spiritual attraction is not there, if there is not anything deeper than just what you see here, and listen to me, not even just a deep intellect, there has got to be a deep spiritual connection. Make yourself attractive, man, by giving yourself to the church. Ladies, make yourself, listen, this isn't just if you're single, this is now, while you're married. I, I, I love my mom. My mom's amazing. The reason she moved to San Diego, the one and only reason she moved here three years ago, my dad passed away about four, and she was there and, and, and mourned and grieved for about a year. And then we had the conversation. She said, you know what? I realized this, that my whole entire purpose had been wrapped up in serving him, which is biblical. And she said, for the last year, I haven't even been doing anything with the flower beds because the only reason I did the flower beds was for him. I don't really cook anymore. Because I, 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 after 51 years of marriage, I realized that the reason I cooked meals and the ones I did was because it was for him. She said, I want to move to San Diego because I can no longer give myself to him, so I want to give myself to the church. And I want to serve, and I want to help grow the kingdom of God. That's huge. Okay? And they were doing that even when, even when they're married. Let's move on real quickly. Number two. Anybody getting anything out of this today? Spiritual attraction. Verses 8 through 15, which we already read. Begin to move from spiritual attraction now. And now we find ourselves in this emotional attraction. There's this emotional thing going on. It's not like there's just, I mean, there is, there's this deep spirit. But now there's emotional attraction. There's something about you. There's this friendship level. There's this level of deep connection. There's the spirit, but now there's this friendship. And he uses words, they use words like, like uh, my love. In the New Living Translation, rather than saying my love, it says my darling. Okay? Those are some, some cool words. It's usually what I call my wife. Hey, darling. Not really, but I might start now. But these are like, these are like words of, uh, terms of endearment. My darling. It's speaking of a friendship. It's speaking of, listen, I, I honestly, when I hear guys talk, and, and ladies, I, I'm pretty sure I'm going to get an amen out of this. There is nothing worse than a guy being like, oh, dude, she is so hot. Mm. Man, she is, wow. And all the girls are like, right? And all the dudes are like, yeah. <laughs> what does that mean? Me and my wife had this conversation not too long ago. And I, and I, I, I meant it like in a, in a nice way, but she, she just kind of set me straight. And if you don't have these conversations, uh, I don't remember what it was, but she like got all dolled up and she looked beautiful. I was like, baby, you look hot tonight. And she stopped. She's like, uh. I'm like, what? She goes, I just don't like it when you say that about me. And I didn't, I didn't connect the dots. I'm like, I mean, I did at that moment, but I'm like, babe, I'm sorry. What I meant to say is you look darling tonight, you know? <laughs> but we had this conversation. She's like, babe, honestly, those, when, when, when guys say stuff like that, it's like you're hot. It makes us feel like a piece of meat. She's like, like steak on the barbecue. That's hot. And you want that, you know? Like, like I mean, you can use beautiful. You can use gorgeous. But things like hot and sexy, she's like, I'm not trying to look sexy. I want to look beautiful for you and you only. And so, you know, I'm, I'm glad she said that, you know, because we'd have been 75 and I'm like, baby, you hot. <laughs> right? 
But this next part is, is, is emotional attraction. He uses these ter- terms of endearment, my love, my darling, my best friend. And we talked about, that's what, that's what she's talking about is she's lying there and the fragrance and, and things. She's literally laying there thinking about, oh my gosh, he's so amazing. And he is like the man of my dreams. And, 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 and he, in, in return, is doing the same thing. And they're, they're, they're captivated emotionally with one another. There's this friendship. Where does that start? How does that play out? It plays out in conversation. As we talk with one another, as we converse with one another. The Bible says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. In other words, your words have so much power. The words you speak to each other, but not just the words you use, but the tone in which you use them. Listen to me, guys. Do not talk harshly. If you're married, do not talk harshly to your wife. If you want to be married someday, do not talk harshly to women, because they will look at that, and they'll be like, no. Man, it's devastating. Guys, you don't know how much power your words carry. Not just the words, but the way you use them. I've learned this the hard way, having two daughters. The way I ask them to clean their room. The way I talk to them about their room. And I still catch myself sometimes. Because she looks at me. And I know that look now after almost 17 years of marriage. Ah, that's the I was too harsh look. Right? how you talk with one another, what you speak into, and how you speak into it. And she finds herself wrapped in his love because of this. And the same with him. The way we talk about each other, how we talk to each other, ladies and gentlemen, it's so powerful. And it's what builds this deep emotional connection. Are you with me? He talks about how pure she is. Looks into her, your eyes are like doves. He's saying there is so many great qualities in you. And here's what I've come to realize after getting a degree in psychology and being married for 17 years and having two daughters, is that women find it attractive when you speak to the qualities about them. Not physical, okay? But when you speak to, man, baby, you, there, there's just so much purity about you and, you know, or different things. They, they're, they're attracted to that. Guys, we're attracted when they speak about our abilities. It's so true, right? Here's how I know that, okay? Guys, go do the dishes, Go do them. Clean the kitchen. Okay? For once this year, try it out, right? Go clean the kitchen and then go and say nothing. And if your wife doesn't come and say something about how you clean the kitchen, how do you feel? See? Thank you. You know what I'm talking about right now, right? And see, my wife will tell me, oh, babe, thanks so much for cleaning up. And you know what that does to me? Like, yeah, she knows. But then my simple reply is like, oh, babe, you don't need to thank me. I mean, I should be doing that anyway. But deep, can I, any guys in here, you know what I'm talking about right now? Thank you. It's like you do something. You know, I hung a picture the other day, and I'm like. <laughs> right? I'll never forget our seven-year anniversary. Um, and I know her hand went up already. And I wanted to surprise her. We had no dining room table, and we had this perfect dining room area. And I wanted to surprise her because I do this thing every year, and, you know, whatever the anniversary is, and seven was wood, right? And so I'm like, what can I get her that's wood, you know? Um, a cane? No, that wouldn't work real great right now. So I'm like, what can I get her? So I thought, I'm going to get a dining room table for our dining room. And so I got this dining room table, and I set it in the dining room, got this big bouquet of flowers and put it there. And then she comes home, and she walks into the house. She walks into the living room. Dining room is right there. And I'm like, hey, babe, happy anniversary. She's like, hey. And then she walks out, and I'm like. And then she walks in. We're talking, and the dining table's right there. And I'm like, I even move out of the way. And I'm like, yeah, you have a good day. <laughs> like 10 minutes later, hey, we have a dining table, you know. 
But when she noticed, then it's just like, yeah, I did that for you, you know? But speak to those things. Speak to those things. Listen, here's the reality. If you are not kind with your words to your wife and not speaking life into your wife, somebody else probably is. And that's how affairs start. She goes to work. Oh, great job on this report. Really? Yeah, you did an incredible job. Man, you must have worked hours on that. I, I did. Right? But all of a sudden what you just did is you just fed into her emotions. Right? Guys, feed the emotional attraction in your wife. Speak kindly. Speak words of love. Speak words of life. Women, when your man has an idea, embrace the idea. It doesn't matter how outlandish it is. Just speak to it and listen for a little while. Okay? Don't crush his vision. I'm telling you. So I had this idea, babe. I want to build a hot air balloon from all the quilts my mom has ever given to me. And we are going to sell around the world in that thing. Baby, I think that's an amazing idea. Now we could visit this place and that place and this place, yeah. And then you can begin to steer it in the right direction. Right? Maybe let's not use quilts, you know? Maybe let's start saving money, okay? But don't just be like, that is the dumbest idea I've ever heard. Is it? Yes, it's dumb, all right? But don't let him hear those words come out of your mouth, okay? Now I'm telling you right now, that will crush a man. All the guys said, it will crush you. It will crush a man. And if you crush the man, you'll crush your marriage. That's why Proverbs talks about a contentious woman who's like the continual dripping. That's a dumb idea, honey. That's stupid. What are you? Pretty soon. That dripping faucet, y'all know what I'm talking about? What do you want to do? You want to rip the thing out, right? Somebody said fix it. I'm like, no, I want to rip it out and get a different one. Okay? Speak words of life. Speak encouragement. Amen. Good preaching. Spiritual attraction. Emotional attraction. Lastly, okay, look at what happens. We're going to conclude here. There's this spiritual attraction. There's this emotional attraction. And now it gets to this point where she is so, she's been lying on her bed thinking about him, how much, how much love there is. And man, there's this deep spiritual thing going on. There's emotional, there's this, there's this friendship. And can I just say this? Man, I married my best friend. I married my best friend. When I first saw her, I think she was absolutely, I'm not gonna lie. But man, as we got to know each other and talked, I fell in love with this woman. No, I didn't fall in love with her body. No, I didn't fall, no, I fell in love with her and who she is through those times of conversing with one another and we are best friends. Listen to me, uh, the greatest advice I could give you is marry your best friend. Marry your best friend. Marry your best friend. Listen to me, if, if your guy and you're married, if you have a guy that's your best friend that you confide in, no, switch that, man. No, listen to me, I'm serious right now. Your wife should be your best friend. She should be the one you can share everything with. Listen to me, that's where trust is at. She should know everything about you, your failures. Look, she loves you. She should be, she should be your best friend. Marry your best friend. Now listen to me. If, if you're a guy and you have a girl that's your best friend, but you're like, no, nah, we can never be married, you need to cut that relationship. That's your best friend. Because guys are going to be like, nah, there's something going on there. But the same is true the other way. Marry your best friend. Get to now. Time together. We used to go play basketball together. She loved playing basketball. She swooped me in with that, and then she, when we got married, she stopped playing with me. Right? And we used to go play basketball together. We'd go to the club, play in basketball. 
we had this little backdoor thing we would do. And she would, she would like beat all, because she'd be like, and then she was, boom, she'd go, and I'd give it to her, and boom, and the guys would be like, oh, wait, no, she traveled, or something. I'd like, no, she just schooled you. Emotional. Let me tell you something. If there's a spiritual connection and there's an emotional connection, the physical attraction, part three, is amazing. But if there is no spiritual and there is no emotional, that physical is just sex. It's not love. It's not love. But she finds herself now and she is so just wrapped up in him. And the physical begins to flow. And you see that in the picture, how they, how they are. But then she makes this statement, hold on a second. I really want to go there. I'm, I'm there with you spiritually. I'm there with you emotionally. But we can't go there physically. We cannot wake in love before it's time. Because it brought her back to her spiritual connection, her first love. Jesus Christ. And if the first love is there, you will not wake in love before it's time. I love the picture this first chapter paints. I'm dark. I'm beautiful on the inside, but I'm not much to look at. But as they build this relationship, look what the man does. The man changes the whole entire vision that she has about herself. She goes from, I'm dark I'm not much to look at. I work in the vineyards because my brothers are jerks. To chapter two, I am a rose of Sharon, a lily of the valleys. As a lily among brambles, so is my love among the young women. Listen to what she says. It started to the man speaks life into her she grows in her confidence and she says I am a beautiful beautiful flower I'm worthy of such a man guys we need to speak life into the women so that they value themselves for what they really are so that we can have good godly pure wholesome relationships and contradict what the world is modeling for us. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you that your word is, is awesome. Lord, we thank you that we could have fun talking through your word and, and uh, looking into what Song of Solomon has to say about relationships. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit our website at www.canvaschurchsd.com. Thank you.